Jackson Heyman. Yes, sir. Good old Jackson Heyman. How I hate him. <laughs> oh, good grief. Welcome to Recommended Reading with Jackson Heyman, everyone. Um, I'm a little rusty. This is the first one I've recorded since December. No, wait, it is December. No, since September. Um, and welcome back. Um, it's been a while. And we are talking not a comic book, not a comic book movie, not a random piece of ephemera, but a comic strip. We're going straight to the funny pages, everyone, with, uh, we're going to talk about Peanuts. And I'm joined by a dear friend of mine who brought this episode idea to me, uh, Mr. Dan O'Keefe. How are you doing, Dan? I'm good, Jackson. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I do want to push back on one thing. I know, okay. technically, yes, Peanuts is a comic strip. Yes. But... If you get a bunch of comic strips and you put them on pages and you yeah. bind those pages together, I know. is that not a comic book? It is. It is. It is. And yeah, this is going to have, because I know I want to cover Garfield mm -hmm. and I want to cover Calvin and Hobbes eventually. Yes. But this is, thank you for the pushback. There are books. There are collected books. They exist. I did not, I do not own any. I did not read. Oh, that's fine. Any. I have one for both of us. Um, I, th those of you listening, I'm currently holding up Celebrating Peanuts 60 Years uh, collection that the title explains what it is. Um, yeah. So if at any point Jackson has a question, I'm going to be flipping through here trying to find the, the right strip. This doesn't have everything, but it has a good smattering of stuff. So um, I'm just waiting, honestly... Once you go through all the mainstream comic books, all the mainstream comic strips, when we can get into like the real, real deep cuts, when are we going to talk about Gasoline Alley? <laughs> I, after the Lockhorns episode, obviously. Oh, my. <laughs> I hate my husband. I hate my wife. It's the Lockhorns. Yeah. Well, okay. What, what else would you want to cover? Lo the Lockhorn. How how many hours of content do you think we could get out of Family Circus? Um, Let's be really honest. Well, there is so much we can get. There are 90 years of history of Family Circus that we can cover. Family Circus is 90 years old? I think so. It's been running. It's on its, like, third writer or something. That's the one thing that I really find interesting about comic strips. It's either they live and die with the original author. So, like, yes. Peanuts lived and die with Charles Schultz. Um, mm -hmm. Calvin and Hobbes lived and die with Bill Watterson. But other stuff, you have, like, Hagar the Horrible, which is on his third or fourth uh, artist and writer. You have Blondie, which has been running since the 20s. You've got um, Dick Tracy. That's been running since, like, the 40s. And they're on... These are... It's weird to think of a comic book institution that passes through hands like that. Because I think yeah. that the, the two most well-known comic strips are Peanuts which was all done by Charles Schultz. And then I think the other one is Garfield. And still yeah. that is only credited to Jim Davis, but he himself has said he has like a team of, he doesn't do much on it anymore. He just Does, has so he people has, doing it for him. Jim Davis has a writer's room. Oh, how do I get into Jim Davis's writer's room? <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, Jim Davis, if you're listening, we have two aspiring comedy writers mm-hmm. who want to be in that room yes. right here. How big do I you mean, think it is? It's a three-panel strip on a good day. There are like well, 50 words. I want to hope that the company known as Pause Incorporated mm-hmm. has a very fruitful and robust staff and working environment. Yes. But I don't I don't know. I, w- I would hope so as well, but I think this is a discussion for a later day. I've exhausted yeah. most of my Garfield knowledge, unless we start talking about Lyman. That's... <laughs> oh, fucking Lyman. I want to just circle back to, you were saying, live and die with their career, or with their creator, mm-hmm. rather. They also live and die with their creator's reputation. Um, That's true. Of course I'm, of course I'm going to bring up Dilbert. Ugh. What has happened with Scott Adams? I, he's, he's pro, he's super far right now, right? I don't, right? like, yes, but no, I don't know. It's, I don't follow Dilbert enough. Um, unlike it's, most people who are diehard yeah. Dill heads. I'm, <laughs> I'm more of a, a passive pointy haired boss kind of guy. Um. But I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of Dogbert. You would, you would be. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're gonna see. I'm gonna talk about my favorite mainstream Peanuts character. I'm and, ready, and you'll see. Um, but I before we get into that, mm-hmm. this is an episode that has been on the books since December twenty sixth, twenty twenty one. Yes, it is almost I, an entire year that we've yes, had this planned out. I, I reach out to Dan and his co-host Anna of the podcast In Conclusion, um, being like, hey, do either of you want to come onto my comics podcast and cover any topics? And Dan sends me a private message. Anna can't know about this. (laughs) Anna can't. Don't tell Anna. And he, he says, I have an idea. Technically, Peanuts is a comic book. Peanuts has storylines, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and I, I was like, you know what? I wanna, I wanna branch out beyond the mainstream of like the Marvel, the Marvels and the DCs, and I wanted to cover something like Peanuts because, well, I've got some hometown pride. Yeah, St. Paul's finest. St. Paul's finest, Charles Schultz, writer and creator of Peanuts. Recently, his 100th birthday, a couple weeks ago, so this is very timely. Um, Yes. Also, love the fact that you're branching out of the mainstream into Charlie Brown and Snoopy. That's out of the mainstream. (laughs) What are you talking about, Dan? (laughs) What are you talking about? Haven't you... You know, my tastes are really underground. You know, I really only only read uh, the work of Schultz. Mm. I my favorite character in all the literature is Shermie. Why? What is there? Shermie is not even Wonder Bread. Wonder Bread is sweet. We'll get to this. We'll get to this. But let's let's dive into some history. Yes. Um, Peanuts original. <laughs> you're opening the book. Oh, one second. Yeah. Um, I can read you the introduction to it, but I don't think that's legal to do. But if you want that, some history, I, I, don't I think can check you on it. Yeah. Um, 
So what I have in my notes here, it originally ran um, not as Peanuts, but as uh, another title um, called uh, Lil Folks. That's correct. Which I think, I, I'm going to say it, hot take, mm-hmm. a better name than Peanuts. I don't disagree. Charles Schultz hated the name Peanuts. I have a quote here. I yeah. have a quote. Um, I couldn't think of one. I couldn't think of one. And somebody at United Features came up with the miserable title Peanuts, which I hate <laughs> and have always hated. It has no dignity and it's not descriptive. It's a spot on analysis. Yeah, Chuck. He wanted it to be um, either Lil Folks or good old Charlie Brown. And that's why in most of the Sunday strips, in the introductory panel that most uh, newspapers would cut out, it says Peanuts featuring good old Charlie Brown. I like that. Mm -hmm. It it makes sense because obviously, and we'll get to this, Charlie Brown is such a stand-in for Schultz as as a character. And so much of the strip revolves around Charlie Brown. Yes. Um, but it originally ran from 1947 to 1950 in uh, the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Which Your hometown is newspaper? My hometown newspaper. <laughs> which I should do a cursory Google search. May or may not be still around. Um, let's find out. I'd be shocked if it hadn't merged with whatever the, the Minneapolis paper was. So, it's the Pioneer Press and the Star Tribune. Yes. Um, the Star Trib is Minneapolis News, and the Pioneer Press is Twin Cities, but mostly St. Paul. It has pivoted to digital. I'm wondering if there's still a print option. Like all newspapers, it has pivoted to digital. Pivot to and video. Webs- That's the future. This website sucks. I'll say it, I'll say it right now. <laughs> is it now. Gannett? Is it a USA Today owned paper? Uh, maybe. I just, I got like three different notifications asking me to subscribe. Yeah. And I'm not going to pay for the Pioneer Press. Why would you? Why would you? Why? Who pays for news anymore? We're what's wrong with the society. Yeah. <laughs> and Schultz insisted on like, doing everything himself yes we talked we talked we talked about how jim davis has a writer's room but schultz wrote draw drew plotted everything Mm -hmm. the only things that he stopped doing later in life or was never really involved with was the coloring of the strip Um, that's true because the color he would give the colors he would give like the color code for each thing uh, mm-hmm. And then it would be done by somebody else or it was automated in some way. And then later, if you notice strips in the 90s and in 2000, there's a lot of shading that's done through, like, digital dots. Yeah. Yeah. So that those were the only things that he ever gave up, in a sense. Like, he always okay. did the lettering, he always did the art, and he always um, did the story and everything. Which I think rules. If we talk about, like, auteurs of a medium, I think we have to talk about Charles Schultz. Absolutely. I think uh, I read somewhere that Peanuts is the longest-running story told by a single person. Because of 50 years, one dude. 
is wow yeah you know what in like hundreds of years they're gonna treat peanuts like the epic of gilgamesh maybe i hope so actually i hope not all i know about the epic of gilgamesh is the name i hope people know a little maybe treat it like the odyssey that's true. Yeah, that, that, the Odyssey is more of like is a more good parallel. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and you sort of see like because I but I looked at a bunch of strips from like all over the decades. Um, it simultaneously over the years gets rougher and cleaner at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because. The original, like, low folk strips are, like, everything super shaded. Every, there's so much detail with all the characters. Their heads are, like, a lot more, like... Footballs. Yeah, they're, they're a lot of football heads. Yeah. And, and and then as, like, the, the style becomes more simple, but, like, everything becomes a lot cleaner. Yes. He grows into his style a lot. And it's interesting, as I am thumbing through this book as we talk because i'm trying to find a strip that was published the day we're recording this um because as i said it's a smattering it's not everything okay um and i am up to like 1960 right now so i'm a decade in and it's still not up to the image of charlie brown that i think everybody has in their mind like the image it was kind of solidified with a Charlie Brown Christmas and the TV specials when yeah. they had a solid character model to work from. But I'm in January 1960, and Charlie Brown, he's got, like, a really thick neck, which he doesn't have later. Um, <laughs> oddly shaped body. Um, most of the other characters have reached their... They've reached their final form, but Charlie Brown still hasn't hit his, like, final design. Which I think... And when we get into actual, like, Charlie Brown deep dive... It says a lot about, like, how much Schultz cared for that character above all else. Yeah. Like, he was constantly changing and growing with that character. Until the last few years. Yeah. Because... Then you really get, like, the same design. Yes. And also, the focus of the strip, I would say, in the last five years, it shifts away from Charlie Brown and focuses way more on Snoopy and Rerun. Wait, which one's Rerun? Rerun is Linus's... Rerun isn't in my notes. Ah, Rerun is Linus and Lucy's little brother who looks like Linus, but he's a rerun of him. Get it? Holy shit. <laughs> so if, you, oh. if you've seen the oh. uh, Christmas special, I Want a Dog for Christmas, Charlie Brown. Um, I have not. He is uh, the main focus of that. Him and Snoopy. And later on in the strip, it focuses on him because he was younger than them. The The Peanuts gang are supposed to be like eight and nine years old. Uh, and Rerun and is says five. Here he's, yeah, it says here he's five. Yeah, so I think it allowed Charles Schultz to switch up the gags he was working on because he had been working with the same sort of... Um, dry incredibly dry yeah. jaded sort of humor for 30 yeah. something years at this point and he was able to switch it up to a lot of like silly gags which for better or for worse is what he wanted to do so to draw this to like another um 
property from like pop culture mm-hmm. that like focuses on like kids. Would you call rerun the dill pickles of of peanuts? Um To be completely honest, the last time I thought about Rugrats was <laughs> I don't know, twenty years ago, eighteen hey. years ago. So I don't know if I'm the person to make this choice. That's true. You're um to the audience, is rerun Van Pelt, the dill pickles of peanuts. Text in your answers now. I'm not giving out my number on the podcast, Dan. <laughs> Most of these people already have it. You, I want to bring up the point you said about it's a very dry sense of humor. Yes. And that I think that really makes peanuts so different from a lot of like comic strips at the time, which were like gags mm-hmm. and just like gag strips. Yeah. Because. Peanuts got existential. Yes, yes, absolutely. A lot of uh, the humor was found in the fact that it seemed like the world was designed to build up Charlie Brown's hopes and then dash them. Um, Yeah. Like, the only time that he was ever popular was in a series of strips where he went away to summer camp. And when he was at summer camp, he had a rash on his head. So he wore a paper bag over his head the entire time. And he was the most popular kid at camp. He was so beloved. And then, I think it was during like a dance or something, um, he takes the bag off of his head. Uh, he no longer has the, the rash was also a baseball shaped rash, like the stitching of a baseball. Um, Holy so shit. in one strip, he was, people, somebody was trying to watch the sunrise and it looked like a baseball was rising and it was just Charlie Brown's head blocking out the sun. Um, but he took the bag off his head at camp and everybody immediately hated him or didn't just didn't hate him, but were just so like, uh, this is, we liked you better with the bag on. And that's, that's his that's charlie brown's thing he gets 98 percent of the way to uh whatever happiness is yeah and then the football gets pulled away from him or that's, the i was the, literally at, I, the tree. I was about to bring up the football yeah. the modern day myth of sisyphus right there yes uh, he he's gonna kick it he's gonna kick it and then lucy in this point in this concept representing the rest of the world mm-hmm. pulls it out from under his feet yes and everything is gone and every time even against his most logical thoughts he goes for it again he always goes yes. back and tries to kick that football to bring this back to kind of to to bring it back to um just the nature of this podcast being about more co- superhero comics. Yeah. I it's it's the Peter Parker philosophy. Like the world is entirely against him. He will try and try and try to make his life better. It's always two steps forward, one step back with him. Yes. Like everyone is out to get him. The universe is out to get him and will constantly throw new cruel and unusual ways to fuck with him. Yeah. Like a kite-eating tree. 
yeah, the kite eating tree. Can we can we talk about the kite eating tree? You peanuts, not a gag strip, but there are plenty of bizarre and silly gags in it. It gets surreal sometimes. Yeah. The stitching on Charlie Brown's, the rash that was a baseball stitching, the kite-eating tree. There are plenty of them. Every time that there is a, uh, Charlie Brown is a baseball pitcher, which we haven't hit on, but that is, uh, every summer there would be at least a series of strips of him and the gang playing baseball. Um, every time that he's pitching, a fastball always comes right back to him and knocks all his clothes off. Every time. Um, all the Snoopy stuff. The, the fl- World War One flying ace, Joe Cool, all of his different personalities. Uh, yes. There were there are plenty of silly gags in Peanuts. Yeah. It's it's very, like, trying to think of, like, a good modern parallel to this. Mm-hmm. It's like, it gets, it's not, like, Twin Peaksy, but it, like, does have, like, some levels of existential absurdism. Yes. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I just flipped open to uh, a strip that I feel like yeah. uh, is a good uh, example of the dry humor of Peanuts. And it, the, the strip yeah. is from September 28, 1978. And it is Snoopy typing on his typewriter on top of his doghouse. Uh, and yes. he, first panel. Jogging for everyone. A detailed guide to running. <laughs> panel three. Chapter one. Final panel. The left foot. God damn. That's it. Yeah. That's the strip. That's it. Well, it just knows how to hit you with, like, the perfect... It, it's not deadpan, but it's... It, like you said, it's very dry. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it... It doesn't hit you right away, but then it does... And it's suddenly the funniest thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I have one that I want to reference. Okay. Um, from my notes. Um, from one of my favorite characters who we'll talk about later, Pigpen. Okay. Um, it's Pigpen uh, giving a speech about if he's going to be elected to class president. And then uh, one of the girls in the class is like, you can't be class president, Pigpen. You're a mess and you have no dignity. Uh-huh. Uh, third panel is completely silent uh pig pen walking away from the podium fourth panel he just comes back with a top hat (laughs) one of the funniest things i've ever seen that's fantastic i know i think a lot of people's uh first exposure to peanuts is not the strip itself but the specials yes the the tv specials that they did Forever and ever and ever, like, throughout the late 20th century. The original special, like, the run of specials that were all basically written by Charles Schultz. um, Yes. Were from 1965 with A Charlie Brown Christmas to 2006 with your, he's a bully, Charlie Brown, which came out six years after Schultz had died. But he had written the original treatment for it. He wrote all of them? Yeah. Wild. Right? Because... My thesis was going to be they don't get as, like, very, as, like, existential as the strip itself does. I agree. Yeah. I think it's very, like, peanuts for the masses. Yeah, I don't want to say it's a, 
watered-down yeah. version no. of Peanuts. Because I don't think it is. I think it the focus changes. The focus... Because even though there are week-long series of strips, multi-week series of strips um, in the comics, most of them can exist as one-off comic strips versus a 24-minute TV special or however long. um, It needs to have a story. Yeah. And that normally that story is more than 50 words. Yeah. It's adding a narrative to something that can work without a huge narrative. Yes. And a a big part of the TV specials um, were the work of... Bill, oh, I, I, I'm mixing up their names. Mendelssohn and, and Melendez, um, who were the writers or the directors, uh, director and producer of the specials. Yeah. Um, and one of them was also the voice of Snoopy. Um, yes. And they were really instrumental in establishing, I think, the visual feel of how the characters would yeah. move on screen and how, um, how they would interact with the environment. Because, you know... Comics are an unmoving medium. Mm-hmm. And sure, you can draw a character in point A and you can draw a character in point B. But how do they do that? How do they move like that? And the Yeah, there are ways there are ways of conveying motion, mm-hmm. but not never to like the extent of what Schultz would do in the strip. Yes. I I will say those pe- those specials are quotable as hell. Absolutely. I mean, I end up say I sometimes when I'm just like try when I'm trying to focus on something, but I end up dissociating. Mm-hmm. Something in the back of my brain will just be like, "No dogs allowed," <laughs> and that is from Snoopy Come Home, the only Come Home. the only released theatrical Peanuts movie. Really? Yeah, there was well, and the Peanuts movie. Um, there was also. The movie that kind of, there was an unreleased documentary called A Boy Named Charlie Brown from 1963 or 64 that someone at CBS saw and there were animated segments in that documentary, um, which inspired them to ask for a Christmas special, which led to the creation of A Charlie Brown Christmas, which originally... Um, had a laugh track like the other <laughs> the other animated series. like the Flintstones has a laugh track and That's the Jetson right. has a laugh track. It was that was the the style of the day, sitcoms. Right. Whether or not it was real laughter or canned laughter, they had laughter. And Peanuts, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, uh, bucked that trend uh, with. I I would say it bucked the trend with the the laugh track. I was gonna say it also bucked the trend with the overtly religious themes, but it did. Yeah. There are plenty of overtly religious themes in, in sitcoms from the fifties and sixties. Watch Father oh, Knows yeah. Best if you want to get a good smattering of those. Dan, how much Father Knows Best have you watched? Um, I, there are like a hundred and fifty episodes of it, and I've probably watched half of it. Of a show that ended forty years before I was born. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. the target audience. Um, yes. 
and then it also well the specials also established like the presence of adults because in the strips you never see or hear from the adults because you can't yeah they're referenced sometimes yeah they're Uh, referenced like linus has a crush on his teacher miss othmar uh or othmar (laughs) i did not know about this yeah, uh, he he thinks that she's just the best, like the cutest woman in the world, and he's got a crush on her, and he always wants to um, impress her. And sometimes, whenever there is a strip set in a classroom, normally like Peppermint Patty will be responding to a teacher or something, but the teacher never talks, and we never see him. There yeah. are there's one strip where we see adults' legs, and the Peanuts characters come up to their like knees. Or something. They are so, so small it, in comparison. So it's a Tom and Jerry thing. Basically, it, it, yeah. It, it, yeah. But the the wah, 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 trombone um, characterization for the parents that is from the specials. Yes. Um. I think this is a great time to just start diving into some of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with our man Charlie Brown. Charles Montgomery Brown. His middle name is Montgomery? Nope. Okay. I don't know. What, I don't think he has one. Charles Foster Brown. <laughs> Charles Foster, in quotes, Kane Brown. Just drops a snow globe and is like, Aw, where's my slab? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Charlie Brown, sad fucking guy. Yes. Yes. I don't think. I I think that the cultural memory of Charlie Brown is not totally accurate to what is actually in the strips. Right, cuz I when you when you think of Charlie Brown, you think of good grief, mm-hmm. you think of the walk. Uh-huh. And that's like it's it's you think of sad guy. Yes. But it's less of his Less of it being like, oh, this kid's depressed, and more of, oh, the world around him is always against him. Yeah, he is shockingly resilient for the the sort of things that happen to him. Like, he checks his mailbox every day for Valentine's, despite Lucy and Violet telling him to his face that no one will ever love him. In spite of that, he still believes. I think the, <laughs> nevertheless, he persists, is what is Charlie Brown. He will always go back and run and try to kick that football. He will always have the confidence in himself to be the starting pitcher for the baseball team, even though they lose 98 to nothing. He will 100% of the time do... Something that I'm sure in the back of his head, he knows that he won't succeed, but he still thinks that he will. I I have a strip here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a baseball strip, and um, it's raining, and is, everyone else. Yeah, is this a strip where it's just him on the the mound, and he says that he thinks that the weather's starting to clear up, and there's nobody else around him at the end. He's just going, guys, anyone? Yeah, yeah. It it's. It's a extended. It's a Sunday paid strip, yes. so it's bigger. Um, it's a couple of people, and they're like, "Oh, we're going home." And then Charlie Brown is just standing on the pitcher's mound, 
and the rain gets heavier and heavier until he's just a silhouette. Yes. And he and his final line is, um, he shouldn't have left. It looks like it may clear up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Optimism beyond bounds. Yes. The he is the um combination of depression and optimism that we can all strive for. We can only hope to be. Well, it's it's a very Midwest sentiment, yes, I think. 100%, which I think... Yeah, we're both from the Midwest. I think yeah. we've definitely known people like this. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why it resonates so much um, with at least the people that I grew up around. Everybody liked Charlie Brown. Yeah. Everybody liked Peanuts. And everybody um, could see themselves represented in one way or another. If Absolutely. not every single strip, if not in every single special, uh, you've always you you've opened your mailbox hoping to get a letter and there's nothing there, or yeah. in, in school like the Valentine's Day stuff and you didn't get a Valentine from somebody that you wanted to get a Valentine from. You've been left alone in pub, out of yeah. pitcher's mound or somewhere else that where your friends have left despite your optimism that something will happen. It's. He is a reflection of his creator, definitely, but he is also a reflection of just the, like you said, the Midwestern sensibilities of we live in a place where it's going to have six feet of snow. Yeah. But we're going to go outside tomorrow. Dan, the week we're recording this, um, you're lucky. You should be lucky you live in Los Angeles. Yeah, I say all that and then I just moved right out of there. Yeah. You should be lucky, um, because we're, you know what? We're going to be recording a lot of episodes over the next month or so to prep for the beginning of 2023. Here's a snow report, everyone. (laughs) It took me an hour and a half to drive to work on Monday Mm -hmm. in the middle of a massive snowstorm. And how long is your commute? Um, usually half an hour. There we go. Anything else you want to say about Charlie Brown? I read a biography of Charles Schultz um, that was written in like 2015 or something. And the author of that biography really, really tried to um, connect Charles Schultz and Charlie Brown and basically describe Charlie Brown as a one-to-one avatar of Charles Schultz. And I don't agree with that. I think... Like all artists, like all writers, aspects of Charles Schultz's life, either consciously or subconsciously, made its way into the strip and into the characterization. Um, but Charles Schultz was a fairly happy man. Like he had a fa- he yeah. I he from the I I have met a, a bunch of people who um, I haven't sought them out. They have just appeared in my life. Uh, people who knew him personally and in the like last decades of his life, like he was golfing all the time. He was, he was having a grand old time. Yeah. And like you have 50 years of a comic strip. None of, not all of that is going to be like one man's personal life. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about one of my favorite strips um, and I hope you can, I hope I was hoping you could elaborate on this a little more. Um, it's Charlie, it's Charlie Brown and Linus and Charlie Brown is like, 
I think I can under because it's li- it's talking about Linus who we'll get to about Linus's fear of libraries. Yes. And um Charlie Brown is bringing up a thing um all of us have certain areas in which we feel out of place. And Linus is, responds with, "Oh, what area do you feel out of place, Charlie Brown?" And then the last panel is just Earth. <laughs> <laughs> There's a there's a, a certain sardonic wit. Yes. It's very it's very witty. Yes. Uh this is a this is actually a good way we can move into Linus. Let's talk about Linus. I think Linus is of of all if Charlie Brown is the most resilient of the Peanuts characters, Linus is definitely the most uh existentially anxious. Yet still idealistic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is best summarized best exemplified um by the great pumpkin and his undying belief in it yep now did the question for the historian here did the great pumpkin originate in the strips or was that a in the strips oh okay it did yeah uh because it's the great pumpkin charlie brown came out in i think 19 uh 1967 or near the end of the 60s and the great pumpkin had been in the uh, a character well not a character in the strips <laughs> since the early 60s do you think if schultz continued to live we'd get a a personification like an anthropomorphized great pumpkin no 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 okay. i honestly don't I, charles schultz I, wrote his retirement I agree strip with you and charlie brown never kicked the football that's right he did in an interview he like came to the realization that he never let him kick the football and started crying about it, um, which is Holy heartbreaking. Shit. But Holy shit. No, I don't think we would have gotten the... I don't think we would like, have seen an adult in the strip. I don't think we would have seen the Great Pumpkin. I don't think that Snoopy would ever have defeated the Red Baron. I don't think we would have gotten any of that. I don't even know if he would have beaten the kite-eating tree. Right. Um, but Linus... Linus is a ball... Bes- a ball of anxiety. Yes. And I I think that's that's shown through his blanket. It's a security blanket, but it helps him a lot. Mm-hmm. And yes, I'm going to autistic code Linus a little bit. Uh, go ahead. He probably is. Yeah, I... I... The way he just behaves and all his little neuroses and his tics, uh, it's definitely a level of autism coded that i myself have experienced Mm -hmm. in my own life and i also did for a while did carry a blanket around (laughs) when somebody asked you what you're we're gonna do with the blanket when you grew up did you go maybe i'll turn it into a sport coat i (laughs) never understood that that? Uh, yeah he says that in a charlie brown christmas i never understood that line as a kid because i was like like a basketball warm-up why are you gonna be wearing a because i didn't know what a sport coat was (laughs) Like, like, so Linus is going to be wearing a tracksuit? Yeah, that's what I thought. And I was like, that's, <laughs> that's not enough fabric. No, I... Yeah. Um, I have a strip with his sister Lucy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Linus is like, oh no, not again. And his the reason he's so anxious is because he's aware of his tongue. <laughs> And then he rambles to Lucy about 
every every now and then I become aware that I have a tongue inside my mouth, and then it starts to feel all lumped up. <laughs> that is, yeah. If Charlie, if each character is a mental illness, uh, Charlie Brown is depression, and Linus is anxiety. Yeah, and yeah, I I think Linus rules. I I think he's cool. He, he's the philosopher friend of the group. Mm-hmm. He definitely, I mean, the image I think of Linus is him and Charlie Brown at the wall. And they're just standing there and Linus is talking about some great existential problem. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I was going. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I don't mean to, to steer us away from what we were talking about, but I just flipped to the series of strips where Charlie Brown was at camp and yes. he was most popular. So he woke up with, well, first he's one day he, he was very anxious and he woke up and he looked outside and the sun rising was a baseball. Um, and then the next day there's a full moon tonight, big brother. You should go out and look at it. Maybe I will. Thank you. He walks outside and the moon is a baseball. This is the next okay. day. Um, how about oh, yeah. an ice cream cone, big brother? That would be very nice. Thank you. One ice cream cone coming up. The ice cream cone is a baseball. <laughs> the next day. Everything I see looks like a baseball to me. Now my head has started to itch. I think I have a rash or something. Turn around. Let me look. I think you'd better see a pediatrician, Charlie Brown. Because you know what his rash is? It's a baseball. It's a baseball. <laughs> oh, no. And then the next day. Charlie Brown is sitting at the principal's desk um, with a bag over his head. I appreciate you seeing me, doctor, because I think I need a lot of help. I have a rash or something. It makes my head look like a baseball. Why am I wearing this sack? Somebody tried to autograph my head. (laughs) Holy shit. And then he goes to camp and he has been elected camp president. What? Congratulations, kid. And he's like, what? Yeah. Good going, Sack. You've just been elected camp president. Congratulations, Sack. For the last strip is just him with the bag over his head. Sack? They call him Sack? Yeah. And everyone is calling him smart and wonderful. And then the next day, and then I, uh, this is like a three-week series of strips. Oh almost a month. Oh, my God. Uh, psst, Mr. Sack, what are you doing up so early? I'm going out to watch the sunrise. If it's the sun, I'll know I'm cured. If it's still a baseball, I know I'm in trouble. And then he's like, he didn't have a sack over his head? He is our camp president? <laughs> uh, and the, the conclusion to the series of strips is, it's getting light. The sun is coming up. I can't look. I can't stand the suspense. But I have to look. I have to know. Will I see the sun or will I see a baseball? What will I see? He looks at the sun, and it's Alfred E. Newman from Mad Magazines going, What? What? Me worry? What? That is the conclusion. It's a crossover? It is a crossover. What? Me worry? And Charlie Brown going, Good grief. What? (laughs) The metatextual. Oh, no. Uh, Doctor, thank you for treating my rash. Now so, now everything's <laughs> gone meta. Everything's gone mad. Oh no. <laughs> um 
before we move away from this, mm-hmm. can you hold the can you hold the book back up? I just want to see what he looks like with the sack over his head. Yes, I'll flip to a good. Uh, it is him. That's what I was hoping it looks like. Yeah. Um, this is my point. Charlie Brown is one of is is probably the best character that the the funniest character to look at when they have something over their head and eye holes cut out. Yeah. Always, always a million dollars. Always love it. The sack, the ghost costume. (laughs) Those are the two. Others. But it's funny. Yeah, it is. Because there's just something so absurd about it all. Yeah. And the lack of any, like, mouth, I think works for a character like Charlie Brown, uh-huh. whose expression is mostly just like a blank stare. Yes. And it becomes even more deadpan with his reactions. What's what's past death afterlife pan? It's a, it is further yeah. than deadpan. Yeah. Let's let's talk about Lucy. Okay. I think Lucy secretly the funniest character in all of Peanuts. If I had to describe Lucy, all I all I can think about is the Chris Rock bit describing all the Peanuts characters, uh, where he just goes, "Lucy's a bitch," <laughs> but Lucy, yeah, she's the opposite—not even the opposite of Charlie Brown, because she is equally as confident. She's like the dark yeah. mirror image of him. Yeah, it's <laughs> again. I'm going to talk about Spider Man. Okay, if, she's if, the if Venom. Yeah, to Lucy's the Venom. <laughs> oh boy, um, sure, maybe. You know, what, you know what I like about you know what I like about Lucy? What? She runs scams. She is a businesswoman. She doesn't yeah. run scams. She offers she's psychiatric a, help. Okay, she's a girl boss, and it's five cents. Do you understand what a deal you're getting That's with that? That's true. That's true. It is, it is, she is offering a service to this town that simply was not there before. And if somebody could do it better than her or cheaper than her, they would, but they can't. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, you should join her uh, Amway. <laughs> it's not a pyramid scheme. It's a small business. Uh, use code Lucy for 30% off of BetterHelp. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Lucy, I, she started out in the strip as this, both Lucy and Linus started out as younger and then aged up to kind of be the same That's age. That's right, yeah. Um, she started off as like a uh, precocious, kind of family circle-esque, uh, I don't remember the young kid's name in family circle, but kind of a character to that. <laughs> Wait, or, I'm sorry, family circle? Yeah, family circle. It's full circle, baby. Well, um, well, they, well, they are, they, they. The strip does look Oh shit, it's Family circle. Circus, isn't it? Yeah. Whoops. But it is but the panel is a circle. Yeah. It's the family circle. <laughs> oh god. Um so she was this like kind of like Dennis the Menace also. Yeah. Um yeah. American Dennis the Menace, not British Dennis the Menace, where he's like, I'm gonna burn down Parliament. Um <laughs> Holy shit. It, it was like there, there's one strip I remember where she's like, 
Daddy's probably getting sitting down in his chair. He's lit up his pipe. He's reclining back. He's getting nice and comfortable. And then she goes, Daddy, can I have a glass of water? Just right as he got comfortable. And, and she would do things like that. And then she got to be sort of an antagonist for Charlie Brown with the football and just mm-hmm. kind of dashing his hopes and dreams. Kind of the reality check to Charlie Brown's yeah. Um, fan, not fantastical optimism, but optimistic point of view. Um, and then, like all the characters, she mellowed out at the end. All of them mellowed out. She yeah. went from being the uh, antagonist to Charlie Brown's protagonist to just a a different side of the dodecahedron. Yeah, absolutely. I think she does. I like. I like what you said about her being a reality check. Mm-hmm. She is the most grounded character of of the Peanuts main cast, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Either her or um, Linus at points, but I think his anxiety gets to him too much to to truly count as a grounded character. Or and, and I, you, you know who it is. You know who it is. I, I think I know who it is. Is it Marcy? No, it's Schroeder. Yeah, but he Schroeder? walks around with a sign saying "Celebrate um, Beethoven's Birthday." He has his quirks, but he doesn't have time for anyone else's shit, especially the, Lucy's. Yeah, all the strips with him and Lucy, he's just like he will just walk up and leave. Yeah, he's got some backbone. Yeah, which is rare. Um, yeah, I think that Lucy, like the strip. There are some characters you could take out, and the strip would work fine. Um, mm-hmm. Like Shermie. Shut the fuck up. But Lu- everyone we've mentioned so far, Lucy, Charlie Brown, Linus, and and Snoopy, who we haven't talked about. I think those four are the, the heart of the strip, and everybody else kind of revolves around them. Yeah. Speaking of Snoopy, Snoopy. Yes, and Snoopy is the breakout character of the strip. Um, Snoopy's the mascot. In Japan, Snoopy is in- so incredibly popular. Like, to yeah. a, an absurd degree. Um, like, he's the mascot. He was on... He went to the moon in both the comic strip and in real life because he was on the patches for one of the moon missions. That's um, right. He... He is the... As the strip goes on, the bizarre or or the absurd in the strip. Um, To compare it to Family Guy, because I don't watch Family Guy that much, but Brian the dog um, is kind of like... The joke is that his character is a dog, but he's just like a, a rational, annoying pretentious asshole um versus snoopy who the joke isn't that he he's a dog and he's normal he's a dog on top of the fact that he is has all these delusions of grandeur and and this this such inflated ego um he's got ex he's got eccentricities yes he has no anxiety no depression. No. He's he's Charlie Brown uh 
neurotypical. And we can't yeah. be having that. So he had to be knocked down somehow. So he's a dog. If, if you if you like if if you use the Freudian theory of like the id, the ego, the super ego. Uh-huh. He's the unchecked id. Yes. Just doing whatever he wants. And we love him for it. Um, Hedonist Snoopy, if you will. <laughs> oh my god. Hedonistic Snoopy? Yeah. I mean, we never see it. But he's got a pad down there in yeah, his doghouse. what's house. going on in Snoopy's doghouse? What's it going is on in that doghouse? gigantic. It is yeah. party town. He's got a pool table in there. I'm, <laughs> I love does. it. I love it. Um... Let's talk about some of Snoopy's eccentricities. Um, okay. The the World War One flying ace, obviously, yes. and he, his sop with camel. Yes, he pretends his he pretends his doghouse is his plane, mm-hmm. and he has these daydreams about fighting the Red Baron. Yes, who he will never he will never catch. No, and never. he will he will typically get just shrekt by him. Yes. Um, and that idea became popular enough to get its own Christmas song, Snoopy versus the Red Baron by the Royal Guardsmen from the 60s. That's right. That's right. Which, if you'll excuse me, I'll sing a little bit of it right now. The only bit that I can yeah, remember can off the top like, of my head. Hold on, Dan. Bef- let me see how, legally, how much of this can we use? Oh, don't worry. It um, won't sound anything like the song. I'm not that good okay, of a singer. Yeah, just go, just go for it. Christmas bells, oh Christmas bells. Da, na, 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 na. That's all I remember. And then the verses are about describing a a battle with Snoopy and the Red Baron, and Snoopy thinks that he's done for, he's dead. But then it, they have a Christmas truce. Merry Christmas, my friend. That's a part okay. of it. Okay. All right. Are you adding it to a playlist? No. Okay. I- that's fine. Well, I'll put it. I'll put it on my playlist of novelty songs that also includes uh, Leonard Nimoy's "The Ballad of Bilbo Baggins." Good. Throw it on there. Yeah. Um. So you have the World War One flying ace, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Cool. Yes. We, we got. We got to talk about Joe Cool. Joe Cool, hanging around the water fountain. He could be anything. So he, Joe Cool is Fonzie, basically. Yeah. Joe the Fonzie. And people are just cool with it. Everybody just accepts it, that he is Joe Cool. He's not a dog. He's just Joe Cool. Uh, Does Charlie Brown see through it, or or does everyone fall for it? Charlie Brown does. Charlie Brown sees through every one of Snoopy's... Yes. ...characters. Um, Peppermint Patty doesn't even think that he's a dog. Okay. She just calls him the kid with the funny nose. There are, are there are different opinions of him. But I think that um, Joe Cool is very much a product of the time that it was created. Not in a yes. um, negative, like, sexual harassment sort of sense, like a lot of products of their time are. Right. But just in a, this is, this is like a lava lamp. It had its place, but it wouldn't be yeah. created again now. Does he predate Fonzie? I don't think so. I'm not sure, but I I am fairly certain that he was inspired by Fonzie and by uh, Danny Zuko. 
from yeah, Greece. Like that, the the greaser culture, basically. Yeah, but not the original or, greaser sort of like rebel like, without a cause sort of thing. The seventies, yeah. uh, edges shaved off, family friendly yes. greaser thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, is there anything else that I'm missing when it comes to like Snoopy's eccentricities? Uh, his his partnership with Woodstock. Yeah. Um, Woodstock's so cool. Yeah. His siblings. He has, I think, seven siblings, including Spike. We gotta Spike. talk about the siblings. We gotta talk about the siblings. You got Spike. You got Olaf. Um, oh, Olaf. I I saw a picture of Olaf, and I was like, this this is my guy. Mm-hmm. This is my. This is... I'm so the the fat Bugs Bunny made uh, a comeback in memes. I'm waiting Big for Chunkus? Olaf. Yeah, yeah, I'm waiting for Olaf to to have that same sort of cultural. Yeah, we can we can make Olaf Big Chungus. We're so worried with whether or not we can. We never stop and ask ourselves whether or not we should. The picture of Olaf that I have in my notes here, he's like drooped over. Uh, he's got his hat, which mm-hmm. is which is a hat that I see a lot living in Minnesota. Um, and he's got his tongue sticking out, and he just looks so tired. Yes, and I really do relate hard with him. Um, Olaf always looks like a. Like, he just finished doing a, a marathon that he did not realize he was signed up for. Yeah. And he's just gassed. Um, uh, his, Spike yeah. Spike is also so fun. Spike, who lives in the desert uh, in Needles. You, you always see him next to a cactus. Yeah, leaning on a cactus and being totally fine with it. Yeah, he's got, he's got a mustache. Mm-hmm. His his other siblings are Belle, who has the eyelashes, um, Marbles, and Andy. Snoopy siblings. Hold on. He has two. I googled this also. He has, he has Molly and Rover appear only in the animated specials, um, but okay. otherwise the yes. the original five all popped up in the comics. Oh, his dad looks cool as hell with the mustache. Yeah. His dad looks like a disguise. Yeah, his his dad looks like he's just like Snoopy put on a Groucho Marx Marx mask. Yes. His mom has the widest fucking eyes. His that's what Lucy's eyes were designed as originally. Really? They looked exactly like that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Good to know. The things you um, learn. Yeah, this is educational. Play us in your anthropology class. I I just want to shout out my notes real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot. I, I did these a week ago, so I forgot some of the stuff that was on here. And under the picture of Spike that I have in my notes, I just have, he's just like me for real. <laughs> in what sense? You know. Just like you for real for real? Yeah. Okay. You be you. I love see yourself reflected in media. I love it. Um I <laughs> Sorry. I just scrolled up and um I just have a picture of Joe Cool uh with un, with the caption in bold, do I need to say more? <laughs> I have a tank top that I normally play beach volleyball in that is Joe Cool. Um we get it. You live in Los Angeles. 
yeah, I, I played beach volleyball with the babes at Santa Monica Pier. Um, and people, some people do not know my name in this league that I play in, but they know my shirt. They, <laughs> they know Joe Cool. Joe Cool. They just, wow. Besides, are there any other characters you want to shout out personally? Um, I mean, I think just for cultural importance, Franklin. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Franklin is the first black character uh, to appear in any mainstream comic strip. Uh, he was... Which I did which I did not know, connection to one of my other favorite creatives who is sadly gone, um, connection to Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. Um, Franklin inspired directly by Roosevelt Franklin from Sesame Street. Yeah. Um, and the character was introduced into the strip because Charles Schultz received a letter um, from a woman asking for a, uh, this was right around during the civil rights movement, um, yeah. received a letter from a woman asking if, he could add a black character into the strip uh, and he thought it was a wonderful idea. So he added Franklin in and he was first introduced in a series of strips where uh, Charlie Brown was at the beach with Sally and Franklin returns his beach ball. Um, and he's like, here you go. Uh, I'm Franklin. And he's like, I'm Charlie Brown. I'm very glad to meet you. And I think part of the, he was always introduced as just one of the gang. Yeah. Um, which angered a lot of people. Not as many as, as some would claim, but the the strip, he, there were a lot of angry letters that Schultz received. Um, and the strip was pulled from some newspapers of the South, um, uh, you know, because of the racism. Yeah. Um, but it's he's an important character and absolutely he is um i i think it's important that he was that he there was a spotlight put on him being introduced like he had a, a series of strips where he was introduced but he's just like them he's just one yeah, of the gang like the series like the series of strips wasn't like franklin shows up and suddenly one of these peanuts characters that you've known is racist yeah no, it's of course not. Yeah, absolutely not. No, it's, I mean Woodstock is might be, but we don't know what he's saying. Woodstock's physically physically conservative. <laughs> Woodstock is a crypto fascist. <laughs> yeah. Um Pepper and Patty and Marcy, we talked about kind of. Mm-hmm. Um they're cool. I think I think they rule. Yeah, Peppermint Patty is very much Tatum O'Neill's character from the Bad News Bears. Um, sort of like. Damn. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Is is that not a timely reference? Damn, that, 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 that reference just whoosh. Wow, wow. What are you? Not seventy years old. Um, just kind of like the rough around the edges tomboy girl. Um, yeah. Sort of thing. Who she's got the hots for Chuck. She's, she and him. she's not like a bully. She's like a friendly rival. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the um, I'm trying to think of a metaphor here, and nothing is coming to mind. All right. So uh, your, you your description venom. is good. <laughs> you could say she's the venom. Uh, she's the carnage, too. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know enough about carnage. No, car- carnage fucking sucks. Okay. Um, uh. <laughs> 
Once <laughs> I can solve this. She's like the Doc Ock. Sure. She's, she's the yeah. You know, Doctor Octopus, the friendly rival to Spider Man. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, Schroeder, we talked about just done. Mm-hmm. I love him. He's great. I I'm I'm a sucker for like. I love the way he plays piano, and he's drawn how he's drawn playing piano. Yeah, he play well. He he's playing a toy piano, but he is playing yes. like beautiful sonatas on it. Yes. Um, I like that it's like half his size. Yes. And uh, fun trivia fact for you: uh, Charles Schultz more of a Brahms guy, but Beethoven is a funnier name to say. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I like Wagner. I think Wagner's funny, fun to say. Mm, well, but people would say Wagner if they that's read true. it. And that's, that's true. That's not because they're American. Yeah, because I'm stupid. Yeah. And there's a there's an NBA yeah. player named Mo Wagner who I had heard his name said, and then I saw his jersey, and I was like, "Who's Wagner? Bo Wagner? Who's this Iowan?" All right, let's. Let's let's get to the shermy discourse. We gotta talk about. Do you eat shredded wheat? <laughs> okay. To preface, I sent a picture of my notes to Dan, mm-hmm. um, and it's just a picture of Shermy, who is a a minor background character who um do, who does have do the wanna... first line in the strip. Yes, he is the first one to speak. He quotes the strip that Dan generously quoted earlier in the episode mm-hmm. um to describe him kind of looks like linus kind of more confident kind of looks like better a fish posture. what was that kind of looks like a fish kind of got a lot of fish vibes he's just a guy him. i he's... i love him he's, he's he's he seems like he'd be fun to hang out with most people's memory of shermy starts and ends with Charlie Brown Christmas with his head dance move because he's the one flopping his head back and forth. Yes. Um, and he has the best dance move. Why am I always a shepherd? Shut up. You're a shepherd because shepherds don't have personality. Shepherds are sheep <laughs> with sticks. That's what you are, Sherman. You're a sheep <laughs> with a stick. You are... To say you are vanilla is an insult to vanilla. Because vanilla is delicious and flavorful. And you have to put in effort to get vanilla. You are light beige. No one wants that's, you. People settle for wearing. you. That's the color he's wearing. Exactly. He's wearing light beige. Exactly. It fits him. I don't actually hate him. I just don't get it. I don't, like, what? What's the point? Sherry, there's a reason he was dropped from the script, or yeah, from the strip. Yeah, he had no character, nothing. You know who does have a lot of character? My my favorite character, Pigpen. Pigpen, fucking Pigpen, dude. Pigpen's the reason I know the word, or I knew Nebuchadnezzar before yeah. the Matrix, um, <laughs> and before history. What if, dude, what if Pigpen was in the Matrix? I think that would be a problem for the robots. 
Yeah. Because they would get dirt in their gears. Yeah, he'd grab a pig... Where was Pigpen? Pigpen the human bomb, apparently. He, you know what I love about Pigpen? Mm. He's a literal dust magnet. He's so dirty. He will take a shower, and but when he goes outside, he will go from having, like, the stereotypical, like, 50s child hair slicked to the side. He's wearing overalls and everything. To looking like he tumbled down the Grand Canyon. Hair frizzy, covered in dust. He's a literal magnet for dust. I've I've got I've got one here. Um, two girls are talking. Uh, they're standing next to Pigpen, mm-hmm. and the first one's like, "Just how would you describe Pigpen, Violet?" And then Violet's like, "Dirty hands, dirty face, dirty shirt, and dirty overalls." Yeah. And then the other, the first girl says, "A perfect description." And then Pigpen turns to them because they've been saying this about a foot away from Pigpen. And Pigpen just says, she forgot one thing, an immaculately clean conscience. <laughs> ah, perfect. He he is a he contains layers. Pigpen is multi-layers. He, he is so complex. He has layers. And he can make a he'll make a dirt snowman. He can get dirty yeah. in winter. Yeah. It's incredible. He, there's another strip. He he's out for a walk. It starts raining. Mm-hmm. The rain washes all his dirt off, and he just says, "Rats." In one minute, the rain has washed away what took me all day to accomplish. <laughs> so, does does he actively he actively seeks the dirt out? No. No. Because in other strips, it is established, when he goes outside, it sucks onto him. Right. Okay. It is it is propelled onto his body. But he has pride in yes. it. Yes. Absolutely. He is, proud. he is proud of being a dirty, dirty ditch boy. Yes. 100%. And I, and I applaud him for that. Look, if, if God makes you... By your words, a dirty, dirty bitch boy. I said ditch. I said ditch. Oh, sorry. Dirty, dirty ditch bitch boy. <laughs> you gotta roll with it. That's just, yeah. that's the hand you're dealt. Um, so, we've talked about the characters. We've talked about the story. I have in my agenda here a section that just says, let Dan talk about whatever he wants. <laughs> Oh boy, whatever I want. Have you ever seen the movie well, not Quiz whatever. Show? What did you say, Quiz Show? Yeah, have you ever seen Quiz? I'd, I'd talk about that. Dan, Dan, you just did you just ask me if I've ever seen Quiz Show? Yeah, I know you were there. I watched Dan, it with you. Dan, you showed me Quiz Show. Yeah, I did, and your life is better for it. Dan, I was asked to come to a dorm room. I don't think I. I barely knew you at that point, too. We had. I had been in college. For about two weeks, mm-hmm. uh, Dan lived in my building, and we had another friend who lived across the hall from me. And we heard there was a new theater student, uh, because we... But oh, me and... Wait, are we going to tell this story? Are we going to tell this story on air right now? Sure, we heard there was a new theater student, and we knocked well, on your let, door. Let's speci- wait, hold on, let's specify. Mm-hmm. 
the the other person involved in this story is a has been a previous guest on this podcast. Yes, it's it's Nick Cordonier. It's Nick Cordonier, four time guest Nick Cordonier. Four times, Jesus. <laughs> He's one of my go to guys. I can read comics. Dan, we'll get you on the podcast more. I gotta study up so on tell Family the story. Circle. Circus. <laughs> ah! <laughs> tell the story. Um. You might need to fill in the blanks because I've probably forgotten a lot of it. It was so we many will, years we ago. Will leave, we will leave the we we will leave the mentions of other real people who have not been on this podcast out. Yes. Um. um so we hear that there is a. Can I set the scene yeah, from my perspective? Yes. Yeah, set the scene. Yes. So, the Sunday before I begin my freshman year of college, I go to a floor meeting in my building, and Nick Cornier is there. He's like he he looks at me, makes eye contact. Are you the new theater student? And I just nod my head. And then the floor meeting's over. I go back to my dorm room. I call my parents because I was scared. It was first week of college, yeah, you know. Sure. There was a knock on my door while I'm calling them. I hear from the hallway, Is Jackson there? <laughs> I hang up, I go outside, and Dan and Nick are standing in front of the door. They have swim goggles on their heads. Yes. That is a detail that I ha- I must mention. And I had a long beard. It was a long beard. I had beard. a long beard, I like months-long beard. I had seen you in the building beforehand, like mm-hmm. in the days before. Yeah. I thought you were 37. Sure, that makes sense, because... Why would a 19-year-old look like that? I thought you were somebody's dad or way older brother. Yeah. Um, so. Your side of the story. I want to hear you. What what built this? T- what, what led to this? Nick tells me that there is a new theater student who lives functionally across the hall from him. Um, so we're like, we need to go and introduce ourselves to him uh i also want to let you know neither nick nor i were majoring or minoring in theater nope nope you were just around we were just around we just kind of hung out we ended up being in shows uh because we have that that one that one unmistakable gift that uh so many uh mid-tier and below uh educational theater programs need Men. A twinkle. Oh, I was just gonna say being men. Yeah, a twinkle in your eye. We're that's not another. Tell that that's story. another story. Uh, but I do have a twinkle. Um, so I go and grab my swim goggles, <laughs> my multiple pairs of swim goggles. Um, we knock on the door. Nick goes, "Is Jackson there?" Uh, and then we walk on in, and you are sitting at your desk. Yes. And we go on probably a 12-minute monologue, basically. Uh, what were we even describing? We weren't you like... You were talking to me about what to expect in the Marquette University Theater Department. Yeah, and we were trying to describe like horrors that you would experience, but none of them were actually horrific. They were more bizarre yeah. than anything. It 
it felt like I had like stepped in, into Twin Peaks. Yeah. Right? We did a we we did a vaudeville bit for <laughs> twelve minutes for an audience of one and a half, you and your roommate. Who was just listening from the from the from the room. Yeah. Um I should also mention that every time they would introduce a new element to this, they would walk down the hall and and check to see if anyone was looking. Yeah, because we needed to make sure that nobody else could hear the secrets we were telling. Um, and after we finished, we left. We said nothing. We, we just walked out. And that was it. And I saw you the next day. Mm-hmm. You didn't bring any of it up. No. Why would I? I saw Nick the next day didn't bring any of it up uh people later come up and ask me did you get a visit from nick and dan last night (laughs) and i just had to nod and say yes yeah because i thought this was normal no rumors of our visit spread it was the closest i ever got to haze being hazed in college yeah that was the closest I ever got to hazing someone. So yeah. li- a light haze, a mist. It was a mist. A, l- a light haze. Um, but yeah, yes. <laughs> Dan introduced me to Quiz Show, which is to- totally unrelated. But Jackson said I could talk about anything, so I'm gonna bring it yeah. up. It's not even my favorite movie. <laughs> it's not your favorite movie. No. I you love it. You talked about it so much, I thought it was your favorite movie. It's one of my favorite movies. It's in my top four, but it's not my favorite. Name all four. Uh, the Social Network, Quiz Show, Catch Me If You Can, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You may notice one thing about those, which I'm not proud of, a distinct lack of women. Uh, and all white men, too. Yeah. Um... Bruce Lee is in one of them. Someone's playing not Bruce, Bruce Lee. Lee. It's not the actor. I know Bruce it's Lee. not the. I know it's not Bruce Lee, but the character of Bruce Lee is in it. That's yes. That's it. Speaking of white men, Charles Schultz. Charles Schultz. Back to peanuts. Hope you yeah, all enjoyed this little... diversion into Dan and Jackson's kooky corner. Um, <laughs> what do you have to say? Any any milestones of like weird peanuts trivia you may know. Not so much weird, Peter. Like, the fact that the final strip was published the day after Charles Schultz died is such a Holy bizarre shit, yeah. Yeah. coincidence. Because Charles Schultz, um, he passed away in February of 2000. He had announced his retirement beforehand. He had mm-hmm. finished the daily strips a couple of weeks before. And the last Sunday strip was supposed to be published the 19th or something. Um, and he dies of a heart attack literally the day before it is published so oh my god he holy shit he died with the strip at 78 years old um which kind of poetic considering that it is his life's work from since he was in his late 20s to his late 70s um yes and when he was done with it he was done with it so I think that it's just such a such a such a coincidence. It's so bizarre, uh, kooky. Yeah. Some would say. I'm trying to, so I'm trying to see if peanuts crossed over with um, any other um, comic strips. No, it didn't. In 
in response to the Alfred E. Newman. <laughs> there was never a crossover between strips with peanuts. There were references sometimes, yeah. but yeah, that I, was I, it. more cameos. Uh, I found one. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Spider Man, <laughs> with art by Schultz and John Romita Sr. Huh. Or Jr., I don't know. I can't really tell their art styles apart. That is a interesting crossover between the two. Um, yeah. Why was Alfred E. Newman there? <laughs> just. Just a nice gag. Just a nice way to wrap it all up. Um, okay, so Charles Schultz died on February 12th, the evening of February 12th, and the last strip was published on February 13th. Yes. Um, and I have met his wife. I went. You met his wife? I did. Uh, after I graduated from college, I went on a trip to the Charles Schultz Museum in Santa Rosa, California, wine country. Um, and when I was there, did I did a tour of the museum. I got to like look in the archives for it, just at the stuff that they had. Um, and then, well, me, I was there with my parents, and while we were just walking around, I turned and I looked, and I was like, that woman looks very familiar. Why am I aware of that woman? So I go up to her and I ask, are you Jean Schultz? And she was. And we talked for a little bit. I told her how much I loved uh, her husband, her late husband's work. Uh, we talked about the Great Lakes. And that was that she was a nice woman. That was the time that I met her. Yes. I also um, am acquaintances bordering on friends with uh, the man who designed Charles the... Uh, Charles Schultz's grave. He's a sculptor. I uh, was friends with him. Oh. Um, and again, these are not things that I have sought out. I met this man when he was not arguing with a cashier at an antique store, but having a heated discussion with a cashier at an antique store. Uh, and that led to, he is, he has like an a personal archive museum style sort of thing of original strips original drafts of strips various peanuts related merchandise and stuff it's very interesting is the collection he has um but he's also a sculptor and he designed charles schultz's gravestone um there's a statue of charlie brown and snoopy that he designed um is it- i think is in minneapolis or in saint paul well, is it the one of, is it always, like, is it the classic Charlie Brown statue of, like, Charlie Brown's just, like, there? And yeah. And he's got his hand. I have a fun thing about that. Yeah, that is that is designed by Stan, my pal. Yeah, for the longest time, those statues, and I think it's still, it's still a trend, like, they've gotten recreated mm-hmm. and, like, re, re, remixed, yes. basically, as to, like, did, like to whatever the vibe of the area or the neighborhood or the place of business it's in front of mm-hmm. and it's it was it's fun it was fun as a kid who didn't have a lot of friends oh boy and when you'd go out into the city and just spot the charlie browns yeah that says a lot about you <laughs> yeah doesn't it <laughs> 
last thing. So on this on this podcast, we'd like to fan cast characters sometimes. Okay. In a segment we like to call Cast the Comic. Jonathan Taylor um, Thomas. Dan, Would this comic strip be better, worse, or the same with Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Snoopy? Is it your podcast, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> Anna's not even here. I don't care. You gotta do it. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, I don't have any ideas for this. Okay. I just wanted to bring. I just wanted to bring up one of my favorite pieces of random pop culture from the last decade or so. Is it you're um, a rat bastard, Charlie Brown? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love your rat bastard, Charlie Brown. Actually, I, I think too. it's ten years. It's ten years old this year. I think that I, I was right around when I was starting high school, so that would make sense. Well, I haven't because I because because I got into SNL the last year of like the the Bill Hader cast, Bill yeah. Hader, Andy Samberg, those sort of Kristen Wiig. Yeah. yeah, I got it. I got it into twenty twelve. Um, because Seth MacFarlane hosted the season premiere that year. Bring it back to Family Guy. Wow, okay. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, but they did a sketch, which was like, Peanuts, and specifically Charlie Brown Christmas, mm-hmm. um, as done by prolific New York actors. Including... Edie Falco and Al Pacino. As Lucy and Charlie Brown. Yes. It is it is a wonderful, wonderful parody. I love it. Um, you also get Jason Sudeikis doing Philip Seymour Hoffman doing Linus. <laughs> if you it's on YouTube. If you're it's listening to this YouTube, and you haven't great. seen it, you should watch it. Our our descriptions um, won't do it justice. Well, my favorite bit is Taron Killam as Michael Keaton as Schroeder. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get nuts? You... Ah! Let's get peanuts. So how, how does the fan casting normally work? Well, we usually... for It's usually like... Take the vibe of the story okay. that we, we've been discussing. Yeah. And if there were to be a film adaptation of it, mm-hmm. who would you want to see? Okay. Uh, I think I have it for you, actually. You have it? Yeah. So, I would probably say, take the vibe of it, um, film, TV adaptation. Charlie Brown would be played by K.J. Appa. Um, no. Probably oh, no. probably no, Lucy no. would be Lily Reinhardt. <laughs> no, no. Uh, no. Sally, no. Sally, obviously Camilla Mendez. No. Uh, Linus no. is. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna zag here a little bit. Probably Cole Sprouse. No, no. Um, and, and Snoopy. Snoopy is obviously played by Skeet Ulrich. No. I've never seen an episode of Riverdale. I was reading the Wikipedia. Um, no. no, I don't. It, it's interesting because uh, Noah Schnapp was the voice of Charlie Brown in the 2015 Peanuts movie. That was Noah Schnapp. Yeah, from. Uh, from Stranger Things and from, from I having think, a weird haircut. Yeah, too bad for him. Yeah, too bad you can't change your haircuts. Um, <laughs> and I feel like younger, like season one of Stranger Things, like younger him would make sense in the role. I don't know a lot of child actors. Well, that's the thing. Uh, that's Julia Butters went... as Lucy, I guess. <laughs> that's why I went to 
Rat Bastard Charlie Brown. Yeah. Because I think it would be way funnier if you had older seasoned actors. Yeah. Okay. So, who who do I think would be a good Charlie adult actor who would be a good Charlie Brown? I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say, um, to keeping with the Midwestern theme, mm-hmm. this adaptation is directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Okay. Um, and Charlie Brown. What was it, Joel and Ethan Cohen? Um, Charlie Brown is played by. Only name that's coming to my mind right now is Bradley Cooper. Really? Yeah. Because I have one. Okay. Paul Dano. No, wait, wait. Michael Stuhlbarg as Charlie Brown, Paul Dano as Linus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Daniel Day-Lewis as Charlie Brown. Paul Dano him. as Snoopy. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I've abandoned my kite. <laughs> this bit is going. This bit is going on too far. I don't know. It's it's hard. I don't. I, Bill Hader. Bill Hader is everybody. I, I cast Bill Hader as everyone. Uh, Dan. Yes. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. I love getting to um, talk about peanuts. I did no yeah. research for this. Oh, good. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug? Ah, uh, probably that hole in my sink. <laughs> Damn it. Um, yeah, you can find me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Dan O'Keefe 86 on TikTok at not Dan O'Keefe. I have a podcast also, uh, called in conclusion, which if you check out this feed, you can listen to the barbarian episode. Um, I also host a weekly live streaming trivia show on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock Central Time, 6 Pacific, 9 Eastern. That's called Fast Facts Live. You can find it at fastfactslive.com or social media at fastfactslive. Um, Other than that, I think that's it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Um, You can follow us on all the socials. Uh, subscribe to our podcast page wherever you can find it and remember everyone that the Vince Garaldi trio didn't have to go as hard as they did with the jazz soundtracks for the Charlie Brown specials went so hard that Vince Garaldi died like three years after oh no yeah Uh, Jim Davis uh, let us in the Garfield writers room goodbye everyone lasagna
Recommended Reading with Jackson Heyman's theme music was written by Charlotte Rosenthal. Recommended Reading with Jackson Heyman is produced by Mythonomica Productions. Thank you for listening.